Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers! Cheers! Hi everybody, I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy, and welcome to 51 First Dates. The podcast about dating that doesn't have a tagline. (laughs) Thank you for being here. We're thrilled you're here. It has an ever-evolving tagline. An ever-evolving tagline. We're in process, in progress. We're doing it. We're figuring it out. Um, We were an experiment. We are a dating podcast. We're everything. (laughs) And we're both in LA right now. So if you're new to the podcast, Liza and I are typically on two different coasts in New York and LA. And we're together because we were reunited for a very special recording that will be out next week. Facebook Dating connected us with our first YouTuber, Molly Burke. She is extremely cool, inspirational. She is a motivational speaker. She happens to be blind. Uh, Stay tuned. That's next week. We have a great guest today as well. I'm just doing all the business up front. I love it. Just getting it out of the way. I'm in in my LA vibes right now. I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. Uh, It's sunny out and it's snowing in New York. So now do you see why we're such a-holes over here? I fully am about it. Um, No, but we're really excited about our episode with Molly. She's a really cool person and we talk a a lot about like her dating life, what it's like to date as all the things she is, like a YouTuber, or this or that, or whatever. Like, you know, it's very, um, it's it was a very cool conversation, and uh, we're excited for you to listen next week. And a little later this episode, we have another very cool conversation we recorded with Figs O'Sullivan. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. We love therapists here uh, and relationship coach, but really also applies the techniques he uses with his patients to what it means to be dating and single. So I think it's a really great episode no matter what stage of a relationship or not relationship you're in and he's the founder of empathy.com e-m-p-a-t-h-i.com that's fine we can leave that in it's, you, you nailed know, it it's the word it. empathy with an i at the <laughs> but end instead of a y but i messed up the, this part that's spelled exactly like the normal word empathy but that we'll get into it very cool really excited but before we hop into that interview also can i just say that he's irish oh yeah very soothing i was just transfixed by his voice not just his accent but he has like the best voice so i really think podcasting is his format i mean i'm sure he's great on all mediums but uh enjoy I enjoyed yeah. listening to his voice very much. Yes, definitely stay tuned for that. But before we dive into, like, the real shit, let's talk about the fun shit. I have a couple items I want to discuss that aren't supremely dating-related, but, you know, one of them being The Circle on Netflix. I will relate it to dating. It is a terrible but great show, and Liza's not watching, but I have to talk about it before it's irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> no, I feel like we need to talk about it. Every, I feel like a lot of people are talking about it. So, first of all... Will you just tell me a tiny bit about what it is? I know it's hard to explain. Sure. It's so hard for me to explain. I'm more ineloquent than other people. I've actually defaulted to friends at dinner tables being like, you do it better. (laughs) Well, because I've heard this from a lot of people that like the concept is complicated. It is. So this is a reality show that started in the UK. The circle takes place in an apartment building with a big circle on it. And eight people live in this apartment building in different apartments. And you don't see each other. You don't interact with other people. You have a mic on you, you know, typical like real world adjacent. Oh, we've got a siren. Just wow. Like New York in LA. Uh, cross Feel right over. at home. Um, And I'm just pausing because this is so hard to explain. But basically, if I were in the circle... I would have my apartment and I'd have something called the circle on screens in my apartment. And I'd say, circle, message Liza. You're in another apartment. See Liza's profile or something. It's basically like a social media profile. So meanwhile, Liza would have put up one photo of herself at the beginning. Then it changes. You add like bios. It's basically like a social media profile. And the circle allows you to communicate with each other. I could DM you. I could be in a group chat. But then you vote each other off based on who you think is potentially a catfish because there are catfishes. Hmm. Or not, it's it, like two influencers are elected each week by the ranking of everyone. It's very interesting. Huh. Okay. People are definitely catfishing. I, you know, it's, there was a Vulture article that said it best. Like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it's like, <laughs> I'm addicted to this terrible show and that's how I feel. But mm. it's really interesting why I feel like I was thinking a lot about 
dating was just the amount of assumptions that go into what you think of a person when you have not interacted with them other than DMing them. So texting back and forth, Mm -hmm. like trying to figure out who someone was Mm -hmm. so often. It's not correct. Uh, Also, just having one or two pictures at the beginning. I haven't even finished the circle, so I know it gets more intense, but you don't know anyone online. That's like what I just keep thinking. And uh, it's, I feel like it's so similar because in that like brief app chat at the beginning of like you match with someone you chat with someone you look at you revisit their profile maybe you try to find them on on another like social media platform or google them or something but like you are just having to make a lot of like gut decisions about if a person online is representing themselves well and like if you like them yeah based on like it's so weird it is. And it gets weirder, and I just don't want to spoil anything. I, it's yeah. just... Well, you definitely sold me. Like, now I'm going to watch. I, I kind of wasn't. I was like, it's Batch season. I can't get into another reality <laughs> show. Which, by the way, like, we probably won't don't have time to talk about Batch this episode, and next week we're going to have Molly Burke, but... You know we're going to be coming at you with the five minute batch updates. Uh, yeah, we've got to get... I think, I think the, like, the past episode past week's episode was like well documented this is going to come out on tuesday after another episode so we'll be off on timing so we'll do the five minute recaps they'll, they'll be coming back they'll be coming back it, it's not that it, like there's so many people now it would be too much anyway it'll be easier to do when the field narrows a little bit i agree however don't think we're not gonna talk about it. <laughs> yeah. sorry we're if you're not. like god but you know whatever that's why we set the timer for five minutes for yeah. our five minute batch recaps and we're also gonna have another episode with justine potentially yes yes Both. from two black girls one yes. rose who was like they were amazing guests yeah. um so we will you know and she's dating and we're excited so yes shout totally. out justine uh but anyway <laughs> however that was our five i minutes. was like that was our five minutes i was like i'm not gonna watch the circle i got a lot of shows on my plate i'm really behind on like high class shows like i have been defaulting to kind of crappy shows so i'm like i can't go into the circle but as you were talking about it i was like i'm gonna watch this and like, like i'm fully gonna watch it like it's tonight. a good you, you can zone out but not think too hard i i'm you know i'm struggling to relate it to dating but i was thinking about a lot of the secret facebook posts that are like but i've texted for, like the messaging forever before getting on the date felt very i felt like it was like see even when this experiment is set up you have no idea who's who until you meet them oh, in i person. feel like it's totally applicable yeah. for dating online it's like you are on the internet looking at photos and like little tidbits of information that a stranger has chosen to represent themselves like yeah it's so it's such a it feels so um futuristic in a way like did you ever read i'm about to reference the highest brow thing i've ever referenced on this show i'm sorry i'm not trying to sound snobby or anything but did you ever read kurt vonnegut's short stories welcome to the monkey house i have not okay. and i just referenced the circle so no, i am not trying to be that bitch although i know i am but it's like he writes all these things he was writing in like the 60s and 70s about the future it's almost black mirror-y i feel like okay. black mirror is very inspired by these short stories interesting i would bet anything that it's inspired by them and it's all very future-y and it feels like something he would have written about in a way that's like, this is creepy. You're online, you're looking at pictures, and like, three sentences. Creepy. Yeah. Well, circle. Message And Liza. you know, here I am, just repping Kurt Vonnegut, just trying to get the word out. Just kidding. He's, you know, whatever. Yeah, that, One of the greatest American authors. But um, I'm going to message Liza. It's just really fun. I want to get better at how they talk to each other. Watch the circle. Heart emoji. Sent. That's how they do it. Like, message Liza. Stop talking about pretentious <laughs> Circle. <laughs> no. Um, okay. So, circle. I, circle. I have another. You know, I just need to talk about this because I can't. Hit I have so many them. life updates. I'm in a class right now at school that is called Applying the Science of Happiness to Life Design, but we call it the Happiness Class. And this incredibly badass professor, who I would love to have on this podcast, but she's probably too professional to come on i'll ask her professor i'll be like oh my god i don't know you end of class i'll be like (laughs) okay okay she you know teaches this class is so brilliant is just it's really interesting it's basically about thinking about the things that we think will make us happy and how they don't so the big ones liza you and i have talked about this but money is proven only to a point to make people happy true love doesn't make you happy necessarily all these things we think items it's really interesting but i won't get into the boring details i'm sure i'll be talking about the class all the time on this podcast but what i really loved are uh was this exercise she assigned us which was a digital detox six hours without any screens 
Ooh, girl. It sounds so easy. It I highly easy. recommend it. <laughs> or, okay. or like, just like, why? It was, yeah. I, I did it with friends I had in the class. We planned a hike, a lunch, and then to learn how to play Settlers of Catan, which was very fun, honestly. Uh, but it sounds so nerdy. But on the hike, we hiked, and then we didn't know how to get to brunch, but we weren't going to cheat because of the digital de- detox. So we asked someone who happened to be Ava Phillippe, Reese Witherspoon, and oh Ryan Phillippe's daughter, and then... She gave us directions, and then who walks by but Reese Witherspoon, who I probably would never, ever have noticed. Well, she was pretty stunning. Like, my God. Yeah. But we're on my phone. And it was just such a fun day. And honestly, to get woo-woo, just I was way more connected with my friends. And Mm. I, we've also had to keep track of our happiness for two weeks every half hour. Hmm. Like, on a scale of one to ten. Really interesting. Just, like, what you were doing then. And looking back, it's like... I have known I'm a very strong E on the Myers-Briggs extrovert, introvert thing, meaning even though I can feel socially awkward and have social anxieties, I get a lot of energy being around other people. Mm. And I felt this looking back at my two weeks. I felt this this day, like being social, being connected, doing something new. I don't know. It just, I just really recommend it. Hmm. So that's really cool. I now want to do both of those things really, really badly. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's... uh it's so easy to have no to just be mindlessly in your phone constantly and I try really hard to be mindful of it and I slip into not being mindful of it all the time Jeff and I just started a no phones in bed rule that's good which is good but it's so hard it's really hard like I mean we're allowed to set the alarm and then put it by the side of the bed but then it's like like so I use it at my alarm it's still next to the bed but in theory it's like once you get in bed we're not on our phones we're not reading on our phones we're not listening to audiobooks we're not on social media, like nothing, like not touching it after the alarm is set. And it's, I'm like, it is upsetting to me how hard it is. Fully. Yes. Six and, hours was hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also amazing. Like him and I have now been having like pre-bed, just like long chats. There you go. Which like we weren't, we were kind of just like, all right, like I'm on Instagram. He's like reading his book on his phone. Not that other things are horrible, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's uh. I think it's going to be like a new wellness frontier, the like, yeah, screen free time and whatever. Yeah. We felt that someone asked us to take a photo on the hike and a friend was, we're doing a digital detox. Ah, but then we took the photo. So we weren't, you know, on overheard LA, but yeah, yeah, it, and I, I would recommend doing the six hours. I haven't done another one six since just to like understand how good it feels and do it on a Saturday, obviously. It would be easier if you're not worrying about work emails, but mm-hmm. now I want to do like three hours or like focus on certain times in the weekend, just not yeah. having my phone. Yeah. Yeah. We're putting your phone to bed. Jeff puts his phone on do not disturb at 10 every night, which I, that would give me anxiety, but he's also like, I put my phone to bed. I'm like you can reach me in the morning. I think if my phone's always on do not disturb. No, we're like no texts come through. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like he does not get texts or calls and I'm like. It's it's aggressive, but he was I like, mean, mine's on silent all night anyway. So what am I really gonna do? I should yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah. I think it's smart. I wish that I feel like someone needs to write write like a definitive book about like yep making rules for yourself around yep. it. Because yeah, it's like just going on Instagram or even not going on Instagram, going to find my friend, like anything. I don't know. I just need to look at something. Cruising through dating apps. Like I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people who are using them say all the time is like, it becomes like Instagram. It becomes like another social media where it's like, here we go. Also way back, I was on my digital detox. I was reminded of a few times I was struggling and like in like half relationships and sent a text and was waiting for one back and I would leave my phone at home and go to dinner with a friend which is very dramatic but it was better yeah there's like a little maybe that's unhealthy because then it's like is there a text when you're back but just get if you can leave your phone or truly turn it all the way off and leave it in your glove compartment or whatever that is for you just highly recommend not gonna yeah yeah we are now wellness influencers. We are. I know. We are so anti-wellness on this podcast, and yet no. we are not. But I think this is a good a good one. I yeah. think it's not crazy, you know, whatever, to, like, be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's maybe put them down. Um, all right. We have a question. From we the, have, we're going to do a question from the secret Facebook group, and then we're going to go into our interview. Yes. Okay. We'll do one quick 
not necessarily quick, but this is actually an anonymous question that I will also post in the secret Facebook group for our listener, but it was sent to us. Um, and there, I will post it because she really does want advice and more opinions than just yours and mine, I think. So hi, Kimmy and Liza. I have a question in mind and I'm interested to know what your followers think, but I'm too shy to post on the secret Facebook group since I have friends there. Super fair. You can always tell us this and then we'll post it for you. Um, I wanted to know your opinion on this. Would it be okay for you if you found out your significant other was checking girls out on Facebook based on his search history? Apart from that, let's say he has this female friend he finds attractive and tends to look at her profile every now and then. And then there's more. Forgot to add, when I confronted my boyfriend about this and asked him if he had feelings for her, he said, I think I have puppy dog feelings. He clarified later on that he didn't mean it that way. He just meant to say she was attractive and it's not a crush and that he has other friends whom he thinks is attractive. So of course I flipped out. Like I get that there are other people who are attractive and think it's okay to find other people attractive, but the term puppy dog feelings threw me off even though he says he worded it wrong. Is this a classic case of guys say the dumbest shit? I will Hmm. not read her name. Wow. I have so many thoughts. You go first. Because I'm worried that my thoughts are... I have, like, a devil's, an immediate, like, devil's advocate opinion, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are first. I, I think I've talked about this in the pod. I had a very paranoid, like, you work with this female coworker, you follow each other on Instagram moment with my boyfriend, and I was like, is she attractive? And he was like, she's an attractive person, but there's nothing there. And that was still, like, made me mad for a second, which I think... Looking back, I was also just like, I wasn't just doing this. I wasn't like casually noticing something. I was like, what's happening? I, I made up a whole story as I tend to do. And was like, you have a female coworker. And just, it was very unfair of me looking back. Like, however, if he had been like, I have puppy dog feelings for her. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. If he said any, like, again, we all have probably little crushes and feelings. And it's okay to say that person is attractive or. Like, especially, I do that all the time with celebrities or even human beings who are just really hot, like, in my class at grad school, actually. I'll be like, you know that, to my boyfriend, like, you know that really hot one who dresses well? Like, it's so weird. I did this earlier today. I was describing, like, I randomly happened to meet last night someone who is friends with some people my boyfriend grew up with. And I, he was, whatever, this is such a long story, but I described someone to him to see if he knew him. I was like, I don't, he was like, what does he look like? I was like, he's hot. I don't know how to describe him. Like he's hot. He's like a, yeah. that's his defining characteristic is he's like a big, hot, like you could be a model. He's hot. Like that's yeah. his deal. And Jeff's like, oh, okay. I don't think about it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it definitely happens. However, yes. this feels like uh, when I read this, I just think negatively, which I don't know if it's fair. I think he said something super dumb, mm-hmm. but I also, uh, even like the, If it's causing you anxiety to look at the search history, like, that's shitty. Yeah. For you. Like, I don't think it's, like, this is not going to be a breakup now or a, it's fine. I don't know. I think that, okay, I have some mixed feelings, but I think I'm going to say my my devil's advocate slight position first, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to say why it doesn't bother me, and then I'm going to say why it does bother me, and then maybe I'll have decided which side I fall on by the end of talking. I think it doesn't, but the thing that about it that doesn't bother me is like, I feel like recently I've been hearing a lot of stories from friends of friends, whatever, about cheating. Like, I feel like I've been, it's just like in a, in a bunch of different friendship spheres, whatever. It's like somebody's coworker, this, that, whatever, just different people who are cheating. We heard a very adorable girl on like Melrose in West Hollywood today saying out loud to her friend, I will mess it up. But it was like. I mean, I don't like cheating, but, like, out loud on the phone, I, we looked at each other like, holy what? shit. So, like, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I really feel like in the last couple weeks, there's been a lot of cheating stuff that I've heard about. And I think a lot of people are cheating, even more than, like, any of us think, because so much of the time we don't know it, or it happens, and then it happens to your friends, but they don't want to tell you because it's embarrassed, they are embarrassed, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... On one side of me, I think that for your boyfriend, everyone probably has feelings like that from time to time about somebody. They're like, oh, this person's really cute and nice and I kind of like them, but I'm in a relationship and so it's not a thing. Like, I think that happens. I think there are, you meet people where you're like, if I were single, I'd have a crush on you. Mm -hmm. That's happened to you where I'm like, I would like you, but I'm I'm not in that frame of thought. So on the one hand, 
I think there's something honest about what he said and realistic about it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is better than him cheating, like him being able to share straightforwardly how he feels. So that's my like thing about it that I doesn't bother me. The thing about it that does bother me is like, I would lose some trust mm-hmm. in that person if they said that to me. And I feel like trust is one of those things where it's like it takes a really long time to build and it's really easy to mess up. It doesn't take a lot to like lose trust in someone, but it does take a lot to build it. So it was definitely dumb of him to say that when he should have recognized the difference of being like, oh, maybe like a little attraction, but like I'm in a relationship. So like that stuff, you're going to feel it, but you don't talk about it or give it like merit. But I think that like I would have a harder time trusting someone if they had said that. It's better than him lying to you, maybe. Yeah. But also he probably should have known better that like those things are maybe not saying those things are like white lies, like gentle white yeah, lies of omission, you know, that I think he made a miscalculation on. However, the like lots of looking at girls online factor, if this was an isolated incident and he didn't look at other girls online, I might be more forgiving, but that also compounds it. If it's like a regular yeah. thing where he's looking at girls online, I-, I think the trust level wouldn't be there for me. Mm-hmm. Even if he's not a cheater, even if he'll never touch someone else, like not being able to have even just the fact that like you're worried about it um, is, I think, a sign that there is like some lost trust. And that's the thing that like yes. is, is kind of tricky. I know it's he just dug himself into a whole by being like you know saying puppy dog feeling first of all never say that puppy dog crush and then saying i have crushed like everyone's attractive but that part you, again you can all rationalize but it's i also just love this it's like women generally tend to be really smart about looking at online behaviors when it comes to that guys are like what no i'm like that person's popping up first in your on your instagram like who oh, you've searched like have you been looking at them recently they have no concept i feel like they're broadly yeah like stereotypes like whatever i'm just yeah. on like not knowing there's like a trail like that following page on instagram that went away where you could see what other people are liking great way to find out who some dude is like crushing on like it's just yes so i just also ugh, i don't i don't have concrete advice i feel like it could be an early bad it can be an early red flag it could be a baby red flag a, a baby a yellow 0.5 flag an orange flag <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) I think that's orange. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that like, you know, if you're able to be like, hey, like this made me lose some trust, like and like looking at the girls online and stuff like it's making me have some some feelings like maybe I can't trust you in the way that I thought. And like, let's talk about that. You know, I think try to come at it from a non-judgmental place, because, again, I think it's better that he said that than cheated on you. Yeah. And I think it's good. It sounds like you did confront him and have a conversation, but it's still like I would even almost be as honest as like, hey. Like, I know we talked about this, but it still bothered me to the point I, like, wrote into my favorite podcast. No, then he'll listen to this. But, you know, you could just be so honest. And even if it seems like, you know, I do trust you, but it's causing this moment of doubt. And I just need to talk about it more and understand kind of how you're truly feeling. And I'm sorry. Like, you don't don't apologize. But I think I would be kind of like, I don't mean to keep bringing this up, but I need, but I personally just need to hear a little more from you it feels like there's another level of this he could share with you that would either be like very bad news or truly like no there's nothing i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that which it sounds like he did but it's okay to check back in with that i think you have to if you're gonna don't just continue on like everything is normal because that will be the hardest thing to do i think yes yeah i think that's like completely true and fair and yeah, I mean, we'll put this in the secret Facebook group. Um, you know, Kimmy or I will post it, like as yeah, you know, from an anonymous listener. And I feel like you get I, people may have way I, wiser yeah. perspective like, get than out of there. we do. Yep. Yeah, so we will continue the discussion in the secret Facebook group. Which please join the secret Facebook group mm-hmm. um, at Five One First Dates Pod on Instagram. Oh yeah, we didn't do it. We did it. Five One First Dates Pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, if you want to like send us anonymous questions, we're happy to talk about them here or in the secret Facebook group. If you want to send us 
Well, we probably do this all at the end of Fig's oh, interview, actually. I don't Who think knows? we did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're going to hear it maybe, twice. Maybe you'll get a double. This is our LA vibes. We're like, whatever. You LA know? vibes. Rate, subscribe, again? review. Mm-hmm. Please, those mean the whole wide world. They are why we can keep making episodes and getting cool guests. So we love you. Thank you for everything you do for us. And Here. enjoy this interview. And now we are so excited to be joined by Figs O'Sullivan, marriage and family therapist and relationship expert. Figs, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. We're very excited. We're thrilled to have you. We're going to ask you lots of questions and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about kind of conflict, empathy, all of these fun things. But before we get into all of that, do you, will you uh, will you tell us a little bit about like your background, how you got into um, you know relationship counseling, and you know, why it was like of interest to to you to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. So I am I'm from Ireland originally, and I hate to that my story just adds to the 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 terrible stereotypes about Ireland. But you know, I'm the son of an alcoholic and a son of a heartbroken mother. And so I was like my my number one life experience and motivator and qualification to do the work I do is I'm a wounded human being. You know, I came from a family that we didn't have that belonging that we all longed for. Um, and But I had enough of a taste of it that I knew, you know, it's really what I wanted in my life. Um, And so that's basically what is the main motivator and background that has led me to help, you know, firstly myself and now obviously other people be able to make love and relationship work and be in a family and, um, yeah. So that's, I mean, I feel it's funny because I feel like we talk a lot on this show about on our podcast about how, um, you know, whatever you bring to the table when you're dating, you're it's just like a sum of all of the the shit you've been through. You know, it's like a, right. we all carry the baggage we carry. And I feel like that uh, it's powerful that you were able to, you know, take this, uh, you know, intense, intense backstory and turn it into something that is obviously has like a really uh, powerful effect for for people. Yeah, well, thank you. And I do think that's the key, you know, like, I think you actually said it very well that either we do that, or we make our life a living hell. Mm -hmm. Right? Either we integrate our pain and suffering into a greater story of ourselves and, you know, um, triumphant like hero's journey or we try and run away from it and like get a, try and get away from or disown or injured or wounded parts. And ultimately, even though it makes logical, rational sense that people would try and do that, um, ultimately though, unfortunately, all attempts to try and move away from your wounded parts will be met by the world by giving you even more suffering. So, yeah. so, you oh. know, it's the, al- you know, if you're familiar with alchemy, you know, alchemy has always been an analogy to human beings, like becoming the most they can be, right? That we want to turn base metal into gold. And so my, my injured parts, my wounded parts, you know, whatever grief, shame, sadness, abandoned parts, rejected parts is the base metal. And then how you transmute that, or I choose to transmute that into taking those same things that seems like base metal, I transmute them into gold, my greatest capacities to be a human being um, that can show up for myself, my wife, my kids, for other people. Yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, it's funny because I feel like it's, something that I know my therapist has brought up to me a lot is like the things you you try to get away from are really the things that like you need to accept it sounds so it sounds so cheesy and I I do want to slap myself through the (laughs) through the airwaves but just the 
feeling of like the ability to finally um, embrace the things that you like want to tamp down can just like free free you so much <laughs> like it's exactly uh, yeah yeah does it like what you resist persists right yeah. if you yeah. have um if you have a part of yourself that you really don't like or you really want to get rid of no sure way to make sure you magnify it by by talking to that part of yourself from a place of blame or criticism or disappointment um yeah we you know either either we own it and integrate it or it'll that sounds very dramatic will um wreak havoc in our life yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely i mean i'm sh- I, i'm sure a lot of people are relating i feel like that's that's such a part of growing up you know is like the owning it right. and being like okay like i'm not defined by mm-hmm. this but it can inform me moving forward and Absolutely. And I think it's so inspiring, Figs, too, that you've, you know, you've been an entrepreneur really stemming from these experiences. I think like we we're not therapists. We've started a baby project around, you know, our own relationship, you know, issues or experiences. But I'm curious, like specifically because you founded Empathy with an I and you do a lot of work Mm -hmm. around empathy. But I'm curious, um, you know, how that specific idea came about and what inspired you um, there. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a couple of things I would just say, look, as a quote unquote entrepreneur, business owner, um, one of the one of the consequences of growing up in a, let's say, a kind of broken family, which sounds I feel very harsh on my family, but, but, you know, the system, but in many ways broken and broken in the sense that there are certain developmental things that didn't get to be completed. Right, because there's so much attention on emotional uncertainty and sadness and shame and all that stuff. But one of the things that never got completed is I didn't believe I could do things. Mm. Like I didn't have like whether it was like physically, I had a physically absent father or um, you know, emotionally overwhelmed mother, right? And literally, right, having to work as a single mom, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, to to raise her children. I didn't get a certain level of mirroring um, and validation that gave me the belief that I could complete things or I could be creative. So I was always scared to do anything. And so the way I look at it now is that running a business is actually me reparenting myself. Mm. It's actually me like trusting myself, validating myself, trying things that I don't know how to do that don't come easy to me, right? Um, You know, the relationship stuff, you know, and being able to see systems and what's really happening, that's kind of very natural for me. But the business ownership stuff is more hard work. And I always remember this little story as a kid or excuse me, there's this particular story that always captures for me, um, you know, this this transition that I'm making into being able to do things. I know it sounds very basic, right? But when I was when I was 14 years old, I went to a school where rugby was compulsory. Like, if you could believe it, it was not, wow. you, you had to play rugby. And so, like, I didn't want to play. But as, you know, as you, I'm sure you could understand, like, at 14 years of age, I, did, I worked out pretty quickly. If I played on that rugby team, I would get to talk to those girls. <laughs> which you know it's kind of sad but but so i i, I started playing you know, i got into playing rugby and then you know camaraderie team and all that it was really fun right i really liked it and i used to kick the the equivalent of american football i would kick the field goals right mm-hmm. and you know do everything else like run and tackle and like all that stuff but then i'd also kick the field goals but i didn't believe i could make the mound the, to put the ball in so, you know, in Ireland is grass, the grass, the ground is damp or muddy. And so you just, instead of having a little tee that you put the ball in, you kick up the ground to make a little mound and you place the ball in the mound. I didn't believe I could do that. So I would have my best friend come over in the middle of a game and make the mound and put the ball in the mound for me and then I'd kick it. 
<laughs> so, so the way I look at, you know, what I do now as a business owner and a manager of people, I'm making the mound. I'm daring in front of people, right, to actually try and do what, you know, for other people is a pretty simple thing, but I'm risking like doing it and getting it wrong um, instead of just trying to ask other people to do it for me. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so that yeah. that's um that's where I think like as a business owner, like I I this reparenting and I'm trying to be there for myself. And so it's not just about making money and it's even not just about helping other people, right? Like which is great. I love what I do, helps other people, but I'm really um helping myself be all I can be, you know, like reach my greatest capacity um as a human being. Now, in terms of, let me just like go back to the other part of it about what motivated me, like with the empathy thing in particular, all roads to a better relationship um, and be that obviously I focus primarily on how to help people be in loving relationships with each other. But if you want to be in a loving relationship with like, you know, your family members, community members, people of different groups, we got to have empathy. Empathy is kind of a, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's the very first thing, but it's an essential uh, uh, stop on the journey to have a better relationship with yourself, with the world, and all those major people in the world that you come across in your life. So it made yeah, sense. Completely. So also just to clarify, because I feel like we, we will have probably laid this out in the intro. Guys, as you listeners know, we haven't recorded it yet. We're going to do it after. But empathy oh, yeah. is your company. So empathy with an I oh, yeah, exactly. is your company. Exactly. So will you tell us a little bit about like what the company does for yeah. your clients? And then why, right. you know, if, like it makes a lot of sense that that's the title you chose. And, and um, yeah. yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Right. Well, so firstly, I always like to clarify, look, it's empathy with an I on the end, not a Y on the end, dot com. Uh, two reasons. One is I couldn't afford empathy with a Y on the end. <laughs> that's, that's the honest, you know. And yeah, then two, of course, there. it's yeah, exactly. It's San Francisco, so you know we all everybody here thinks they can just make up new words, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the rest of the world will just take it and run with it, right? You know, obnoxious as we are here, but um, you know, so so. So, yeah, so I started, what we do with empathy then is, look, we help people love each other, basically, right? Um, And then I was like, people people have to learn empathy, right? It's the most important thing the world needs in order to, like, heal, thrive, survive, quite frankly. Um, And... And the best place to learn it is within a relationship with a primary other. Now, the reason it's the best place to learn it is because you could be yourself at best. You could be yourself at best with your best friend. You could be yourself at best with your colleagues. But if you're with your primary other and you sit on a couch with each other or you start to talk about your relationship, you're going to get into the places inside you that you'd rather disown. And you're going to start, whether that's your vulnerable feelings and also your reactive feelings, whether you're a blamer or criticizer, shut her down or minimizer, like overly focused on problem solving, you're going to do all this stuff you do that's unbelievably annoying to other people, right? And so the beauty about trying to work on developing empathy within a relationship is we get to study where your own little raw spots are and roadblocks are to having empathy and where your blind spots are um, in real time. So we're not, we don't end up just talking about it. We end up like doing it for real because you're going to definitely get triggered and you're going to get into your, um, I don't know if you can curse on this show, but oh, you're yeah, going to get definitely. in, you're going to get into your stuff. Right. But um but so so here's what we do. We help people. I developed, there's like two different branches of the company. We've all these digital tools. We've got like this web app we develop, which is this free process where you answer a bunch of questions about yourself and we give you a personalized report that tells you this is who you are. This is a, this is an approximation 
of who you are in love and relationship from an attachment theory and systems perspective. You can then invite your partner and then have a wonderful, well, I think it's wonderful way that it's really cool to do it as a single person, but we'll talk about that in a bit. You invite your partner, right? Or some amalgamation of your past partners um, or your past partner. Um, and like I said, we'll talk about how to do that. Then they take the quiz and they will get their self-discovery report, this like um, reflection of who they are in love and relationship from an attachment theory and systems theory perspective. And then most importantly, once we have both people's answers, then we can give them their relationship system report. And it, so it then gives you this reflection of this is who you are together as one entity. And this is what you co-create together in terms of your emotional cycle and behavioral cycle. And then lays out the steps. This is what you would have to work on together if you want to make relationship work. And then we have daily or weekly reminders personalized to each you know, user that they get to keep them inside of this empathic, compassionate, um, frame of looking at relationship. And we got courses and coaching and counseling and workshops and, you know, and of course I do lots of interviews because no one else in my life will listen to me. (laughs) Why do you think we have a podcast? Exactly. (laughs) I feel like that's why a lot of listeners are here. You know, I feel like the commonality with a lot of our listeners is like people who are are introspective and are trying right. to like figure out how to change patterns like obviously dating right. is really hard there's lots and lots Ooh. and lots of books yeah. and movies about it yeah it's really hard i guess yeah. I, I mean obviously i'm i'm married but i certainly i would say the biggest pain and suffering in my life other than you know family of origin stuff were times of being single like it's just you know, I, I I did not do that good at being at ease inside my moment-to-moment experience while being out of a relationship, you know? It was yeah. really hard. Yeah. So um, how would you yeah. recommend, like, what would you recommend for single people? Like, how would you recommend single people use empathy? Right. Well, well let's go back. Let's, um, you know... Yeah, I'll answer the question directly, right? But I want to make sure we go to some of the broader themes, right? But let me just like technically how to use it, right? Like you go to empathy.com, right? And you take the quiz, right? You go, you hit the quiz button in the main menu or, you know, there's some other, you know, what do you call it? Call to action, take the quiz. And you answer these questions about yourself. And while you're answering the questions about yourself, you imagine, right, you're answering the questions about what it was like to be you in your last relationship or what it was like to be you in some kind of amalgamation of all your previous relationships, right? And then, when, and then you read your self-discovery report. You read about this is who you are. Now, some of this is probably going to be triggering. Now, that's good. Again, like I said, like, like a little discomfort, but inside your window of tolerance is good because we want to be able to study ourselves and be curious about ourselves. And then when you get your self-discovery report, you read it, you see where it lands, you let it affect you. Um, you have your teddy bear there in case it's a little emotional. So, so then you're going to invite your partner. Now, obviously, look, I'm not suggesting you invite your ex-partner or you invite this amalgamation of all of your past partners, but you just send an invite to a second email or your, of your own or, and I don't know how to explain it right now online, but there's a way that you just put a plus on the end of your email and it goes to the second email, your own email address. But anyway, send it to a second email of yours, right? So let's say your past partner's name was Joe, gender neutral Joe, right? No E in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say like it was Joe, your, your partner's name was Joe. Um, so now you joe is going to get an email and it's going to come to you and joe is going to be invited to take the quiz and you are going to do your best daniel day lewis meryl streep (laughs) right and you're going to now open up the quiz after you've dressed as your your ex-partner or amalgamation of your ex-partners right um you know if you've given up smoking and they used to smoke don't go that far don't start smoking but (laughs) now you're going to do the quiz take the quiz as them 
embody them and take the quiz from their perspective. Now, this could be really hard because you're going to be asked what kind of a person, one of the questions are, is going to be what kind of person do you see your partner as? And you got to really think about it. Would you have come across as a nagger, complainer, right? You know, mm -hmm. like a shutter down or whatever it is, right? And then you read your, you know, past partner amalgamation of past partners self-discovery report. And then again, most importantly, now you will get to see your relationship system report and it'll show you and like this illustration of this is what we co-created together. And these are the things that if we were ever to have had a chance to make it work, um, this is what we would have had to work out. Now, Look, if you if there was domestic violence in your last relationship or, you know, you were robbing banks together, like there might be, let's be clear, there's always outliers that this particular empathy thing may not be right. <laughs> I mean, like we're, we're talking about like situations where neither of us were like decided to, you know, do a Breaking Bad crystal meth lab downstairs <laughs> and, um, you know, and we weren't hitting each other. Like, but it, so it'll give you a really good reflection, assuming you are like 99% of couples, you're actually both really doing your best and you'd actually make love. We really actually wanted from the beginning to make love work. You could learn something incredibly valuable for yourself about what you need to work on and what kind of a partner, like what kind of awareness you want to be looking for in a partner when you, you know, you know, you go, I was going to say get back in the saddle, but I really, it's just not, I don't like <laughs> when, when you, when you go again, you know, whatever, when yeah. you're, when you're, when you're at, you're off to the races again in relationship. No, it's funny because I feel like I have done lots of thinking about, you know, especially like there's a, maybe two previous relationships that I've really thought through and through in my head, like to spend a long time doing that. And I don't really know that I've, it, it seems like. I feel a little silly now, but I don't really know that I've done that kind of thinking about like how things right. were from their perspective. Like it's, yeah. it, it's a powerful thing to even like imagine. So I think that's right. Enough. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's two really important things. There's one is what it was like from their perspective, but then the other one that, and this is when you get both your own perspective and their perspective. The other thing that's incredibly important and really powerful is then seeing the system that you created together from a third party's bird, bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing I have to help couples do, right? Well, the first thing I have to help them do is not, you know, kill each other in the room, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, like, just like, first thing is just that they, hopefully they feel comfortable with me. But the main first goal is to help them like actually see this is not a me or you problem. This is an us problem. And it, it's this system that we are co-creating is the problem, right? Now, that's really hard to do. In fact, it's temporarily impossible for people to do just because of our physiology. And then we're trying to get to this moment that I can see, look, when I'm hurting and not feeling loved inside, there's ways I react, even if I think they make perfect sense. And Cosmopolitan told me I should react this way. My mom supports me. All my friends think I'm right to ask for my needs to be met this way, right? But it, it hurts. It hurts you. There's just no two ways about it. I see now it hurts you. And now you do the things that you were told it's okay to do. My friends down the pub say I should just shut up and stop talking. Don't say another word. Like, you know, all the guys on the soccer team tell me I should just try and explain myself, right? You know, whatever it is, right? I'm just stereotype, typical argument it's between gender normative couple for a moment, right? Right. But when I do that, it actually hurts the first person even more. And so now they double down on all those things that they've been told to do, point out what they're doing wrong, help them learn how to be a better partner. And we get stuck in this system where both of us, the way we react, the way we respond, even though it makes logical sense that we would do it, what we actually end up creating is this negative dance between both of us that leads to both of us feeling more hurt, more unloved, more alone, and it's awful for both of us. And right there, that sounds like such a simple thing, but right there, and this is awful for both of us, is where empathy is born. And in that empathic moment, we can go from being a threat to each other emotionally 
to actually like, I'm hurting and you're hurting and we're hurting because we're important to each other. Ow. Right. Yeah. And in that collective out, they're no longer two separate hours. I'm hurting, be, you know, because of what you did and the other person I'm hurting because you did what you did to me. Now those two people are hurting together, right? They're in one shared hurting. And that's where people can reach out and squeeze each other's hand and they can find their way back to each other. And so being able to do that over and over and over again in relationship, right? Two people that can actually go through that process I just described over and over again. Uh, that's the most important thing we got to be able to do. It's really interesting hearing you talk about that moment of empathy with a why, uh, because right. I do think it can apply to a lot of the questions we get and what I felt when I was dating a lot, even those early dating interactions, because I feel like it's become some, so uncool to have empathy for the other party, especially in those early moments of dating or interacting. Like, right. It's much cooler to like meme style, total gender normative stereotype, be like the dude's on these dating apps are all this way or yeah. fuck boys or whatever it is. And like, you know, maybe some of them are, but I feel yeah. like there are moments where we could find empathy for we try to bring up the insecurity of dating for everyone involved and, you know, but I, I guess this is revealing about me and empathy within my relationship. And just always, I don't think empathy is my default. I have to kind of swallow a tiny bit of pride to get there. Do you have yeah. any advice for people who like me might default to being like, well, you know, it's this or that rather than like, how could I push myself to see the other side? Like, is there a... Well, yeah, but well, let's differentiate it between a couple of things, right? So look, dating is, is like we said, it's really, really hard, right? Look, mm -hmm. it's, it can be wonderful and magnificent and like how much fun are we having at this great restaurant or bowling or frolicking along the beach, right? There's great moments, <laughs> right? But look, I, I, for me, it was, it was really painful, full of anxiety, full of uncertainty, um just whatever like you know and and a few good moments in between right now yep as of for let's let's be clear as of for women right the risks are so huge on multiple levels to your safety like like are people genuine actors have they done their own work that they actually like that they're, it's really them that you're sitting with versus some seductive version of themselves, mm -hmm. right? And how, like, look, there is truth to, there's a, there is a certain amount of truth to, you know, and again, you know, I'm sure this is true for men and women, but probably more so for men, that people get categorized into three buckets pretty quickly. Is this someone I'm not interested at all? Is it someone I'm interested in casual sex with? Or is it someone I'm, I'm, in a, I'm interested in love and relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I was a woman, I would be pretty... It makes sense that you should have some part of yourself that is really guarded and protected until you're very, very clear which one of those three buckets and how you feel about being placed in, in, <laughs> in those respective buckets. So look, horses for courses. Like I teach people how to know their vulnerable feelings and not just be in the reactivity and share it vulnerably. But like I always tell my clients, that doesn't mean when I'm on my way to get coffee after this, I'm going to, and the coffee, the, the person behind the counter asks me, so how are you feeling today? I'm like, oh, I'm really in touch with my abandoned parts. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, look, there, it's contextual, right? And like, as for, I make a big differentiation between this, like, what you do once you're in a relationship where it is decided, you may not be married yet, but it is decided. You are, both people are sending these signals to each other. You are the one I want to be enough for. I you are my attachment figure. You are the person my body wants to emotionally bond with, right? They're sending that signal explicitly or implicitly. And the, and the other person is sending the signal, you are the one I want to be there for me. You're the one that my body doesn't feel right if you're not here. And that they take on that responsibility for each other, 
right? They, like, and again, it's, it's not like they're writing a contract out, but they just like, yeah, we're each other's primary attachment figures. There's not like, you know, we can call it what we want, but that biological thing has just happened between us, right? Now, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is one is like once that's happened and then people get themselves in trouble. Like, let's say leading up to that moment, like okay, the, the most vulnerable moment. And, and look, you guys know more about this than I do. So like you can like stop me mansplaining at any no, moment. There, right? <laughs> like, <No. laughs> yeah. So like the most vulnerable time for a woman in dating is right after having sex. Right. The first time, like, like I would. I would be like, I, I would, I would be very, very um, guard. Even if I had empathy for someone else, I wouldn't be trusting them too much, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they're the most love and kind person the world's ever met, you have no idea what they're going to be like on the other side, and they don't know what they'll be like on the other side of being sexually intimate, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what, as you look. I always like, you know, as a guy, I used to live at Esalen, you know, in the hot tubs and dance. You imagine that hippie lifestyle and everybody hugging each other and loving each other. Look, the truth of the matter is if someone tells you they are fine with ha- like casual sex, they have no idea what they're going to feel like on the uh, biochemically on the other side of that act. And yeah. so someone is like, I'm going to love you forever. I want to be with you. You're the best person I've ever met. They look, they might even mean it sincerely, but they have no idea what they're actually going to feel like and what they're going to wake up like the next morning. So I would, having empathy for someone else, right, is a good thing to be able to, like, I imagine, what's this person? Think about, they must be in a pretty vulnerable situation, right, to be on a day two. And so are they being seductive? Are they you know, being a representative of themselves? Are they oversharing their vulnerability because it's hard to be them? Like everybody's doing something, right? Everyone's doing something, but you can have empathy, but that doesn't mean you have to do something. So we want to like, I always say like empathy is actually in and of itself a neutral moment. It's just a moment where you're feeling what the other person is feeling, right? You're actually, you get it. You feel what they're feeling, right? But then what gets filled in that moment, right? Think about what a psychopath does. A psychopath gets what, and there aren't that many psychopaths. I shouldn't bring that up. Like it gets tossed around a bit too much, right? But, or narcissist, right? They actually get what the other person's feeling and then they're going to use that against them, right? So they're having in a weird way an empathic moment, right? But they then use that neutral experience to then be manipulative, right? Mm -hmm. But you, like in a moment of dating, you can use an empathic moment that I guess I can I can see what you're doing, the way you're talking to me, the way you're you're trying you're you're it's hard for you to believe you're good enough, and that's why you're telling me about the 10 medals you won when you were 10. And you can have empathy for that person. But it doesn't mean you have to then go and, um, you know, go on a second date or take them to bed or Fair. do something else. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't know if yeah. I went off on too much of a tangent no, there. No, no, no. That's a good, it's it's good. Because it just feels like when you're in those early stages, that there's such a fine line with, you know, be protecting yourself and your heart. And then Absolutely. also understanding that you're all in it together. Uh, but I exactly. yeah, it's very, yeah. And you are right. And you're right. Like I would highly encourage, you know, people like, please, you know, having empathy. That's like, you know, practice learning how to have empathy with those people closest to you that you can trust are, are definitely engaged in the same process. They, they want like, Hey, could we get curious with each other about what is the system we're in right now? And could we study that and like learn about so what is it you're actually feeling deep down inside when you say that to me? And then to your brother, and so when you heard me say it, what happened inside you that led you to say, oh, no, no, it's fine. I don't even want a second date anyway, right? Or, you know, like, like if you have people that you know you could enter into an honest exploration or process of curiosity, brilliant. But when you're not sure, like... Like, yeah, you, you got to look after you, but please look after yourself. The only person you have to make sure you do not aban- abandon in the dating process is yourself. 
like d take your time at, like actually empathizing so much that your your heart and body opens but anyway yeah and then do you have any like tips on i know that a lot of uh, what we talk about a lot on here is how to like be patient with yourself and and listen to yourself while you're dating rather than yeah like i think there's there can be so much pressure around dating to find like your perfect person to like you know meet meet the the person and get married and you know dance on a mountaintop or whatever <laughs> right. um and i think we try to just uh encourage people that like it should be kind of fun it should be like it can be an exciting way to meet people and connect with people but do you have any like tips or like <clears throat> thoughts about how to um maintain empathy for yourself in such a like vulnerable consistently vulnerable position as like dating regularly yeah yeah well look it's it's, it's going to be a hard thing to do but i always like instead of thinking there's just one of you like the you know firstly there's a multiplicity of you you're not just one person you're a, an infinite mul multiplicity right but let's not go into some crazy philosophical conversation right but let's just for simplicity let's just imagine there's two right there's two of you there's a grown up you that's out there dating and engaged in strategies and you know like about how to get through this process how to have fun what should i do what i'm going to listen to this podcast right all that stuff right but then there's a vulnerable you and there she or he or they are very little they have very very vulnerable spots and being connected to a primary other is their birthright it was the first need they ever had from the moment they were born they had to have a good enough other that was physically and emotionally there or they would die and so for them being in search of that primary other is an incredibly painful experience they're going to get in touch with being abandoned they're going to get in touch with feelings of being rejected they're going to get in touch with being um they're too much they're not enough all sorts of painful feelings and your job is and i really like really mean this think of them as a separate person inside you that little girl that little boy that little they and you are going to love the shit out of them you are going to be there for them in ways that no one has ever been there for them before if you ever catch your big one telling them why haven't you gotten a partner yet? Like, what were you, why did you tell that story last night? You, oh, you're going to tell that big one, hey, come here. So it is almost like you're, you're becoming a third one. I said it wouldn't complicate it, right? You, mm -hmm. you become a third one that tells a third person inside you that's able to be a witness and see yourself criticizing yourself or putting yourself down or trying to tell yourself you should be better in some way, right? Well, you got to hurry up and find the one, right? You're going to tell that part of you that was giving all this, what they thought was good advice, but it was actually criticizing, back off, leave him or her alone, right? And you're going to take the hand of that little one inside you, and you're going to bring them to you, and you're going to hug them and love them and make sure that they know, look, I know this is so hard. And I know it's really painful, but I want you to know I am here for you, right? And so that's your primary job, right, is to love them and care for them for the rest of your life. And when you go on a date, it's going to be seem weird for your date the first time that you're in a restaurant and you, or you book the table for three because you have your little one there and they eat first. Now, obviously I'm not, don't, don't, yeah, of course. Like, you know, like, you know, but, but literally, right. You want to make sure that you always are taking care of that most vulnerable one inside you. And to our point we were talking about earlier, that involves accepting, look, of course, this is, I, I could feel abandoned, rejected too much and not enough. I'm not even going to try and stop myself feeling those feelings. This is the most natural feeling in the world to have. So I'm going to allow myself to feel it. And then I'm going to be incredibly loving and kind towards myself while I feel it. And if I stop being loving and kind, I'm going to catch it as soon as possible. And then I'm going to punish myself by being even more loving and kind to myself. Mm. Right? So 
Anyway, so that's um, just that little device of seeing, you know, and again, and I know it can seem cheesy or cliche. Um, you got a little one inside you, always. You never grow up in matters of love and relationship, ever. I don't care how competent you are. You are a really vulnerable, lovable little human being. And so for God's sake, start loving and being kind to yourself when you're in such a vulnerable situation as dating. No, I really love that. I think it's incredibly, I don't know, it's helpful as, you know, someone in a relationship too, just as a human, just to like remember. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so easy to be hard on yourself or, and that just, you know, propels all these other bad habits or, you know, or good habits, whatever. But it's really helpful to remember that there's a little yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Really like that. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I think being hard on yourself can become so such a default that you don't even notice it. Like, I know that's mm-hmm. been true for me a lot of the time right. where I'll get into these habits of patterns of thinking where I'm like, oh, and someone, you know, whatever, usually a therapist will point it out to me <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, right. damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And an then remember reminder. when you're when you're dating someone else, almost everything else the other person does is a strategy they're engaged in to protect their little one. Mm-hmm. And, there's a, and that changes things. Now, again, remember, that doesn't mean you have to go do something about it, right? But right. again, if they've got lots of bravado, if they're looking disinterested, if they're like crazy about you from the outset, right? These are all the things they do to protect their little one. There's nothing else going on. Like all the other stuff about how is the food? What do you do? Where do you go to school? Like, I mean, look, not saying those things aren't important, but really we want to see this deeper emotional process that both of us are just doing everything we can to make sure we don't feel abandoned, rejected, feel ashamed or humiliated today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty powerful note to wrap up on. Um, Figs, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media where they can find your app etc yeah yeah the easiest thing is just to go to empathy with an eye at the end.com and just you know hit take the quiz you know in the main menu or the call to action on the main page um that's the easiest way and then on instagram and facebook and twitter uh the easiest way is probably just go to empathy now so it's empathy with an i n o w Great. We'll link to all those in the show notes Great. as well. Um, thank you so much for this again. I think this was yeah. incredibly powerful. Of course. And thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. for having me on. I, I really appreciate talking to you. Awesome. And everyone listening, um, we love you. We told you everything you needed to know earlier and go on a date. Go on a date.